Welcome everybody to the Coffee and Code Cast, a weekly live stream tech podcast where we talk about neither coffee or code. I'm Kyle Johnson. And I'm Mike Sheehan. And today on the cast, what are we doing today, Kyle? We're going to talk about some pretty large undersea, the world's fastest undersea pipe data connection. Data cable. Data cabling. And uh, we're going to step into the world of virtual reality and talk about some new products that came out uh, last week at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Spain. And uh, we'll cover some news and unveil some new uh, new little spiffy artwork for the podcast. All right. Well, yeah, let's get started with uh, some quick show news here. We got some really cool new artwork from my buddy uh, Yurne. Yurne. The gentle, the gentle Giant is his the name of his illustration company. And he created us a, a really, really cool kind of Seattle... Uh, I don't know what you would call it, like a sunset. It's got the got like the Pike Place Market style sign, but on it instead of Pike Place Market is Coffee Code Cast. Yeah, it's really nice work. Really nice work, and the Space Needle in the background and little mountains. Very Seattle esque. Definitely, definitely works for uh, for our area. I love it. It's really nice work, and he's been working on this for a while. We started sketching some things out with him. What back in the fall, winter, something like that. Yeah, and he's he's stuck with us. Uh, we kind of had some different ideas of if we wanted to keep the same name of the show and which way we wanted to go and what we wanted on it, and then we decided to change our minds. So like he's stuck with us through a bunch of iterations there, and I definitely appreciate his work. It's it's I love it, and the process really cool too because I remember some of the beginning phases of this, just like sketching out some stuff, and from where where we started to where we landed, I'm really happy with the, the results. So thank you very much for that. It was a fun process too, like watching him do the storyboard or what he called a mood board is what he called it. Okay. So he put together a whole bunch of different ideas that he found online of different podcasts and their artwork and even some stuff that was not podcasts. He threw on the mood board and then shared that and was like, well, what do you like here? What do you dislike? Yes. Um, just to kind of narrow down and on an idea of what the, what the artwork might end up becoming over time. Um, and yeah, it came out, came out beautifully. So if you listen to the podcast on an app that supports, uh, Artwork, go ahead and check out the new artwork. Otherwise, I'll make sure to post it also on the show notes on the website. So be sure to check it out. It's really, really great. We'll have to update it next week on the YouTube stream. I don't have it up there right now. Yeah, on the live stream. Yep. Um, so be sure to go visit his other his page too. His artwork is fantastic. Uh, you can visit his work by going to www.coffeecodecast.com slash gentle giant. Love it. That's that's awesome, man. Thank you very much for the work on that. Appreciate it. Moving on, uh, there's been a erotic Ooh. photo hunt spotting. Discovery. Shout out to Allie G. She was at... I got a we, well, text like... We better stop here before we take a step back here. Yeah. What, two episodes ago, we talked about uh, one of our favorite little taco places back in Omaha, which happened to, unbeknownst to me... I can't believe you didn't know about that. Too. I didn't know. But yeah, apparently Mike's that. favorite portion of the taco joint was the erotic photo Well, hunt. that might be a stretch. <laughs> I don't think you quoted me. I don't think there's any oh. quote of me saying that. Okay. Well, yeah, it was. Like, somebody brought it up in, in the office, and then it triggered a memory of, yeah, going to Alvarado's in Council Bluffs and th- waiting for my... Hangover food to arrive, pop a quarter into the little machine and play some erotic photo hunt. And so we were talking about it the, the, after that. We were talking about it with some people. And like a week ago, I got a, probably shouldn't have been on Teams. It was like, I got a <laughs> message on the work chat that um, some, co- like one of my coworkers, Allie, was out at uh, this place in F- Fremont Ballard area, Freelard, we call it. And Send a nice big, it's an updated photo of erotic photo hunt, much better resolution than it was back, back in those days. Well, it's funny that you say that too, because at some point, and I believe hopefully I did this at home, but I looked up, I looked at, I looked up exactly what you're talking about. I think it was actually for the show notes of that episode, which would have been episode, uh, 24, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I was looking for a link to talk, to show people what erotic photo hunt might look like or what it was or whatever. Well, eater.com came up. Mm. And it was talking about how that's a dying uh, game platform, whatever you want to call it, that they're, those are basically all being phased out over time and, and they're really hard to find. So the fact that you found one is really, really interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. And this was, it probably had a thousand other games on it. I have no idea, but they found Erotic Photo Hunt in Seattle 
in Freelard, real hot spot, part of town, real classy game. <laughs> we'll have to take the, a little trip up there. And four B's. Yeah, I've never heard of four B's. Four B's up in Freelard. Four B's. I've never heard of it either. Yeah, no must idea. Be, must be a classy bar. Sounds like a real classy joint, but they yeah. have a nice happy hour to go along with your erotic <laughs> photo hunt pleasures. So what else is going on, man? We got a real quick check-in, I guess. We should talk about our fitness and uh, eating goals. We failed on on the, well, let's take a step back from that. We did go do our CrossFit class, uh, or I did, and you did. Yeah. But, uh... It was, it was a very difficult class. We may have talked about this even last week. We did. That was a ball buster, yeah. It, it was. was. Um, and so last week, I think we talked about it. The soreness hadn't totally set in. Uh, it did the next day, and, and I was hurting pretty bad. But that's kind of subsided now. I'm ready to go again. Good. We, we were going to go ahead and go the other night, but we had some things come up. So we're staying on top of that ish. We'll get back on the, on the path. Right. But as far as eating goes, uh, definitely staying on the whole 30. That's not, not a problem for me so far. Um, good work. It's feeling pretty good. I'm feeling, I'm feeling better. Um, feeling like things are not quite as snug, which is a good sign. I haven't done any like weigh-ins or any of that kind of thing. I've actually been trying to avoid that as much as possible. I don't like the idea of that anyway. If you feel better, that's good. You're doing the right things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and our, our, our friend, my friend, I don't know how you want to refer to her, Aaron. Uh, sure, she's a friend. <laughs> It just depends on the day, I guess. <laughs> That's true. Depends on Mike's antics. <laughs> uh, she was saying that, yeah, doing CrossFit, it's a bad idea to to gauge progress by weight, mainly because you're going to be stacking muscle on probably uh, pretty quickly via CrossFit. Okay. So it's a it's a it's a poor metric. I already stack on a lot of muscle too, so I don't want to throw off the weigh in. You are looking pretty hard, swole these days. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I feel great. <laughs> Except for that pizza I had earlier today, that was definitely. <laughs> oh, maybe it was. Maybe day. it was just you getting puffed up. Yeah, getting puffed up. Yeah, <laughs> swollen, man. Yeah, like that. Very nice. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool, man. I'm glad you're sticking with it. I saw some pretty healthy eats coming across your desk this week, so keep going. We'll get the. Yeah, the thing yesterday was kind of too bad. It was a client had a little internet outage, one of those side gigs that I worked on, and so that ended up keeping me up late last night. That'd be another good topic. That's a topic we should probably dive into. Maybe not today, but for another show. Uh, it'd be an interesting one to kind of revisit old applications and, and, you know, learn from your mistakes and that sort of thing. I would love to talk about it. I'll, I'll just say this. <laughs> I built that app and it hadn't been touched since like 2013 for the most part. And so I was cussing up and down all night having to fix this guy's shit and it was my shit. So, yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot we could unpack on that one. What kind of fucking developer built that? Six years ago, Mike, versus today, man. Not good. No, man. Otherwise, uh, the only other real bit of news I have is I'm heading off to uh, Blue Skies tomorrow, man. A little spring training coming up. I'm going to head it off to uh, Arizona. Oh, I'm jealous, man. I'm so tired of the cold. It's bad. It's been brutal. I keep getting these texts. I have my brother. I have a Nebraska phone number still on Google Voice, and... um. I get texts from the mayor over there saying, oh, we're going to get another 10 inches of snow tonight. Like snow emergency. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm so fucking glad that I'm not dealing with that shit. But it has been cold here still. It's been in the 30s. It hasn't really gotten out of the 30s except for the weekend. Last weekend it was uh, mid 40s a couple of days. But uh, it's been an unusually cold summer. Winter? What season are we in? Winter in Seattle. Uh, yeah. And it's anywhere you go. Like I've traveled in a number of different places. Yeah. And, you know, granted, they're all cold-ish places. I've traveled to Iowa. I've traveled to uh, to my hometown in Iowa. I've traveled to Denver. I've been here, and, like, they're all just freezing, and I'm tired oh, of it. Yeah. Yep. Time for a change. Yeah. Well, it was 83 in Phoenix today, so I'll let you know how it goes. I'll send you a postcard. Send me a picture of you sitting in the ballpark with shorts yeah. on and a beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Busting out the tank tops. That'll definitely happen. Excellent. Oh, hey, why don't you crack me one of those, by the way? Thank you, there sir. You go. I don't mind if I do. Ah, well, let's move it on, huh? So the Mobile World Congress, big event in Barcelona, Spain last week. Lots of cool uh, news came out of that conference. But the thing that I was really excited about that I was talking with you uh, the other day was about the different modes of reality. So mixed reality was a big topic of discussion. Of course, Microsoft came out with an update to the HoloLens their version of their mixed reality 
headset, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, and so, yeah, they, a lot of cool things that they showed on the demo there, uh, we can unpack, but before we get into that product, I thought it was interesting reading up on the subject. Um, some of the differences, like if you, somebody had called out Microsoft and said oh, something about their virtual reality or their augmented reality, and they're very quick to uh, correct them and say, no, it's not virtual reality. It's not augmented reality. We're doing mixed reality. And so I thought maybe we could just do a quick high level because I didn't really know all the differences. I think I've used those terms somewhat interchangeably, thinking they're about the same thing, but they're a little bit different. So HoloLens is a relatively, is, that, is it a relatively new product or were they, because I, I feel like I remember seeing a demo of something very similar, even say a year ago about this time. Um, the first version came out in 2015-ish. So yeah, a little, little while ago. Well, almost four years, I guess now. And so this is the second major release that they've come out with, um, quite a bit improved. But yes, they've been in the space for a little while now. So the cool thing is, is it's a, well, I guess to describe what HoloLens is, if you're not familiar, it's a, it's <laughs> almost, almost like a helmet or something or a hat that you wear, right? With like a visor that's, that's more or less a screen, right. correct? Right. right. And then it's, in this case, I guess there's, there's a number of these different products that are created by game companies or by Microsoft or whomever the case may be. Google, I think has their own. Some of them like go completely over your eyes, right? Whereas this one's kind of, like I said, just a visor. You can almost think of it as like a, I don't know, like a cycling visor or, you know, a, a motorcycle visor or something. Right. So it doesn't totally like block out your, your surroundings. So, so that's an important distinction too when we talk about virtual reality versus augmented or mixed. And so, so just, yeah, like compare that to your Oculus. You're thinking of probably like an Oculus... Oculus or or what's the Google Daydream, I think is what it's called. Google had one too that you could connect to. I think maybe that was even you put your phone in it still. That was the cardboard one that you could make maybe? Uh, it was different? post the cardboard. The it cardboard was. was a different one. Okay. But there was definitely, Google made kind of this really ni nice looking, it kind of had the same material as like this on my on my key, uh, keyboard, but uh, a nice uh platform that you could use the same thing off of your phone but I don't, I don't know that it took off that well but anyway it covered your whole face blocked out everything in your eyes much like the oculus does and so that's very much what vr is all about like you're going to have some kind of device presenting all your vision to you and so whatever that is if it's a phone or some other kind of screen you know you're very much in a different world a lot of times you're kind of roped off so you can't go fall off in the real world somewhere and um you know, there's a lot of different applications for that. It's a very immersive experience, um, but you're not. Oh, sorry, I got something happened there. Um, but yeah, you're not interacting with the real world at that point. You're having your own experience in the virtual world, and it's very much separate from reality. So that's that's VR. Augmented is, is trying to um, kind of morph into the real world a little bit. So you've got like Google Glass is a product that I think of where it's just like putting up visuals for you to see. So maybe you're walking around downtown and you look at a building and now it's going to give you some data points on the building. Or if you walk by the restaurant, it's going to show you the reviews for that restaurant. But it's kind of a one-way data transfer. It's an overlay on the real world. And so you're just looking and observing, gaining information, right? But does that, so, okay. So is that also a wearable device much like the HoloLens? Yeah, the Google Glass is just like a pair of glasses and has a little camera in there that'll project up oh, on the, okay. gotcha. on the screen. Yep. yep. So it is. So you, you see what's going on. You're in, interacting in the real world and just getting kind of a heads-up display, if you will, of what's going on around Got you. Got it. And so that's more of an augmented reality. Pokemon Go, that is is a very similar, right? Like you're you're in the real world, but you're also like picking up virtual objects and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. I know my wife is a huge Pokemon go player and actually works for the company. So I have a lot of experience with that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I know if you turn on the augmented reality, that's the correct term, right? Augmented. Yes. Um, that you can like bounce the balls off like trees and stuff like that as you're trying to capture your Pokemon. So like you interact with the real world kind of overlaid, or you, you interact with the game with the real world in the background, potentially, and maybe can interact with it. 
So that's getting more, yeah, that's kind of blurring the lines a little bit too, because then you, that, that mixed reality space is really where HoloLens takes off. And so you're, um, they had a lot of demos there, but you're in the real world, you can see what's going on, but then you can also interact with virtual objects in the real world too, kind of what you're saying with the game. And that was really neat to see the demo there. And they, they covered a few different industries um, where this could be applicable. So right now it's enterprise only. It's kind of the focus to get started. And it's because it's a little expensive, cost prohibitive. But some of the demos were like, for example, in manufacturing and they showed, well, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like in these robotic facilities, but they showed um, workers like mechanics like working on machinery um, and with, with the hollow lens, it might instruct you the torque settings for the motorcycle or, you know, which tools you needed to perform the task. And so it really just took a lot of the research out of it. And it was just more like if you're looking at a certain area, maybe it gives you diagnostic information in real time and gives you up to date information on what you need to do to, to fix the problem. I remember seeing last year, similar conference like this one, maybe it even was Mobile World Congress, I'm not sure, but uh, demo similar uh, to where they were doing a job site, construction site. And what the, the it was basically a supervisor was running the HoloLens device, uh, monitoring the job site, kind of looking around, seeing what, his, what the little worker bees were doing. And it had a couple of different demos that they were showing. Number one was like, an example of, you know, some guy that needed a saw, a specific type of saw, and he didn't know where it was. Somebody left it in an area and he didn't know where it was. So like the via HoloLens and some kind of tracking chip in the saw itself, the supervisor could kind of look around, figure out exactly where the saw was and point the, the worker to the direction of the saw. Right. That was one example. The other example that they gave was like using HoloLens to define these zones that workers should not be in. Right. Th these are unsafe areas. And so as soon as somebody walks into this zone via HoloLens, they would see like that area light up in red or something like that, right? Like, yeah. oh, there's somebody here that shouldn't be here. Right, exactly. I remember that demo. That was a really cool demo at the time. And so, yeah, you have kind of this up-to-date information. You could imagine that if police had access to HoloLens, it could be a little scary, right? Because now like offenders, they can point out in red <laughs> in real time and know exactly your background without, I don't know, that could get a little little creepy there, but, but that's the idea to provide real time information and overlay it on the world. And then, you know, some of the demos that they gave last week were even more than that, where you had a patient laying on a table and all the doctors had HoloLens on. And so now they're getting vitals in real time and they can even open up cross sections virtually and see what's going on at different layers to try to make a diagnosis or figure out how to operate and what they needed to do. Or even taking that a step further, maybe you have let's say a resident or somebody who's not experienced with surgery, right? But behind, you know, via this HoloLens, they can be looking at the person, looking at the patient, doing some sort of procedure, but in their ear and with visuals from the HoloLens, they now get help from like an, a very experienced surgeon that maybe is on the other side of the country or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. But can see everything that's going on and, and yeah, bringing people together to make things safer. Right. Uh, have more eyes on, on the problem. Right. So it was really cool to see the demo for, for HoloLens here that, that, that they showed. And, and it went from being, you know, the, the, the one last year that we, talk, that we were talking about with the job site was very much a visual. There was no interaction, right? right? You were just looking at all these things and being like, oh, I see a problem. I'll use my radio and I'll call or something like that. Whereas now there's actually like controls that you can use. You can use your, your hands to control different things that are in the virtual world. Uh, you could even use your voice to, to input things if you needed to. So there's a whole bunch of different things that they've now added that are making it much more powerful than it was even a year ago. Yeah, no doubt the hardware is getting better. I would say on top of that, some of the big announcements came around cloud, uh, around Azure services that are coming out. So a couple of big ones that they announced were what they call spatial anchors and remote rendering. And so the remote rendering is very cool because with this now you can... Um, take some of those really complicated renderings up to the cloud and then and on the edge, and then they'll push it to the device. So it's really just streaming information to the device. All the heavy lifting's happening in the cloud. And so you have a lot more power now. They don't have to beef up the hardware of the HoloLens to handle some of these um, processes. It can just stream it over. 
And that makes a lot of sense. Like it, there's in, in, like if you start to think down the road, like 10, 15 years down the road, like there's no way you can put enough horsepower into, into a device that you're going to wear around right. comfortably in, you know, to, to put all these different overlays and do all these things that it needs to do. So like being able to put that in the cloud and just basically make your screen in your HoloLens kind of a streaming screen of, of information is way more, make, wakes, ugh, makes way more sense. Yeah. And for other low power requirements and that sort of thing, if you wanted to have any kind of battery life in the field, then you're going to have to rely on more heavy hitting processors that are wireless that can handle it for you. So another thing in the demo that I, that I thought was really interesting is at the very beginning of the demo, she has what looked like almost like her computer computer screen, like in front of her. So her HoloLens was projecting this computer screen kind of if she looked left or right, like it stayed right in front of her. Right. So she was always looking at it. Yes. But then in yet in another demo, there was a different scenario where it was, I think it was a wind turbine farm or something that was kind of being simulated and that stayed put. Right. She would walk around it and be able to interact with it. Like it was a physical thing that was staying in place. Um, which is really fascinating that, th- that it can do either one or both. Um, and, and I haven't seen anything like that before. Yeah. Different modes that you can configure these objects. And well, you probably saw like they had the piano demo. That was an awesome demo. So they brought up a grand piano or keyboard and she wanted to play. And so just by pressing in the virtual space was in real time, like making music. And um, that was really fun. And then, yeah, to your point, like whether you want to follow or not, I think the demo, they had a browser with Microsoft Teams running virtually, and she wanted to have that with her when she was doing the walkthrough. And so put it into this like follow me mode. And then now like walking around, checking out other things like the browser was always kind of off center a little bit, but following her moves around the in 3D. The piano demo I thought was really like. Number one, cool. Like the fact that you can do that is amazing. But on the same token, like I would have really loved to have seen something more complex out of that one. Like I'm sure it's probably very difficult, but you know, she played like chopsticks or something very simply one finger at a time. Right. And then kind of just did like a from end to end on the piano, which that was cool to see. But it would have been it would have been really powerful if they could have played something more sophisticated uh, through that. But I mean, the fact that they can do it at all is amazing. It's come a long way in a short time. It's going to get better. And with their focus on enterprise. So, yeah, the price right now, price point, $3,500. Enterprise <laughs> it's not only. a cheap price. Yeah, it's not going to be for gaming or anything like that today, probably, unless you really want to go crazy on that. But they have some software that they are have already released that try to make it uh, more accessible to developers who are trying to build things uh, at a commercial level. Um, like, I think the guides kit was one of the things that they talked about where that could be used for training and manufacturing and and help people even like spot um learn on the job i have another um i just kind of thought to myself of another instance of this that and i think would follow into the is it mixed reality yeah um where i I can't remember I, i think it's made by niantic or they're working on it they have a video out and effectively, what they're trying to do is make it able to where you can play laser tag. Like, so the demo is them in a pretty large room. There's no obstacles or anything like that. But it, they're in a large room and they're all like holding their phones up, walking around. And then like you can fire at other people that you see in real space. But the phone on the other end somehow knows how to detect that Whether they've it been was hit. hit or not. Right. And so it's a it's a virtual game, but it's using real life players that are moving in a real life world. And then, you know, you could conceivably add obstacles that are virtual. So now you can't hit the person because it's now bouncing off some virtual object. Right. Which is really fascinating. They're still working on it. It's it's something that I've seen in a YouTube video that I'll link in the show notes. But I think that's another example of mixed reality here. Right. Absolutely is. Yeah. As long as they don't obscure the real objects, everybody should be safe. (laughs) yeah a lot of other improvements though on this uh on the second gen so that i think they said they doubled the field of vision um from the first one and that's the other thing too if you're looking at oculus we've had some uh, vr headsets in the office before and that's one thing that has been slow to improve is just the resolution right like you you can kind of make you a little nauseous even just because it's good, but not quite there yet. It's almost like looking at 
the old 640 by 480 screen. Everything's a bit pixelated and out of not entirely in focus. Um, what I would contrast that to what they showed the other day, which looked very high res, um, very high quality. So it was a different visual experience than I've seen with other types of headsets. Yep. I think a good point to bring up too is you, you mentioned earlier that, that the Oculus covers your whole face. So it's, it's, it is your entire field of vision. It's giving you everything that you can see, right? So I know in the office here, we had a pretty cool demo on the Oculus that was kind of a roller coaster ride. Right. And it's trippy because as you're sitting there in a still chair watching this Oculus thing, like your body is reacting as if you're moving through space. Right. Right. You're getting the churns in your stomach as you drop. You know, it's freaking you out. Like you have no concept of reality anymore, at least not from what you're seeing. No. Um, whereas the whereas the HoloLens, you know, you know, you can still see what's real. Um, you're just being you're just getting additional information overlaid. Exactly right. And it does change the whole experience. I haven't done it firsthand other than seeing the demo, but it would be neat to see how that works, because even she was showing how just like natural gestures you can use to scale and pinch things and move them out of the way. And it, it's very much the way that we would interact with any real object in 3D space. So they did talk about that uh, in the video that I watched where she was talking about buttons, you know, buttons in the virtual space and how even though it's not a real item, we still interact with it as if it is. So like she was giving the example of a small button versus a large button. Yeah. And then the small button, you know, you might use one finger or two fingers to, to push it because it's a small button. It doesn't take much force. Whereas like the big button, most people would suddenly use their whole hand to touch it or to push it. Exactly. Um, so she was like, she was making the comparison that basically the real world still applies uh, in a big way, even in a virtual space. And so they were trying to make sure that they realize that and utilize things in that way. Well, I think anything you do to make it more natural is going to help the adoption of it, especially if you're in a real technical position or task. So if you're a doctor working on things, you're going to want the feel to be the same feel that you're used to because so much of it's based on those sensitivities. And uh, I think that's going to be really critical to the success and the adoption of it is how it, it has to be better than the real experience, right? Like it has to provide minimally, I think, baseline the everyday experience that you would have with something and then give you the added benefit of whether it's knowing more, seeing uh, a wider range of things or whatever it is, giving you more information. To make there, there has to be no compromises, right? No. The one that I do see when, when I watch the videos, like all of it looks very cool and, it, and it, you know, it's very slick demo and whatnot, but the big thing that they're still missing and that I still don't know that we've solved, whether it's Microsoft, Apple, Google, whomever, is she was working in her Teams app. You mentioned that earlier. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, start dictation. Oh boy. I'm like, come on. Yeah. That sounds so like not futuristic or, you know, like of all the, re the, the, the demo was very impressive up to that point. And then I was just like, come on, man. Like who's going to, in the middle of the world that they're looking around and start dictation. <laughs> all right. I'm walking. I've got my Starbucks coffee and I'm walking down the street. Yeah. Like it's bad enough on your cell phone that you might want to do speech to text and you're like looking at your phone and saying what you're trying to say, you know, type out. But it's, it's another thing when you have to actually announce, Hey, no, you need a more discreet way to signal intent. Right. For it to be adopted and used. I would agree with that. That was probably the biggest like negative that I took away from it. The rest of it was yeah. very, very impressive. The graphics were impressive, like seeing the different ways that you could interact with it. And even, even like, um, they showed like a spatial view. So, uh, what would be a good example here? Like, let's say you were working in like a, a conference room and you were, you had all these different papers and maybe a whiteboard and some images and, you know, I don't know what, what else you would have, but you could move these things around in your virtual space. So you would like pinch and say, move the whiteboard over here. So I don't have to look at it right now or put it, group it with these other items. Um, was really, really cool way to arrange things. And they were talking about that a common thing that you might have in, in a work environment like ours, we have what three whiteboards in here. Oftentimes they're all full and you don't want to erase what's on them. So instead, nope, just bring up another one, move this other one over to the side and start new. And everything's preserved and then you still have your space to do it and everybody's happy. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Lots of possibilities for it. I thought there were some other examples that were great. Uh, search ways you can improve on uh, search in the real world. So if you wanted to find, 
a certain location and you only knew it by certain, um, what do you, what do you want to say? Like geographical markers. Oh, what's that? I want to find like that coffee shop down by the water. Da, 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 da. Like you can get that type of technology could, could do something like that. I could look and see what matches the criteria you're talking about. That'd be really cool. I, I mean, the search, the search possibilities, you know, between mapping and overlaying information on, you know, like you said, restaurants or a menu on a restaurant or who knows, like the, 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 that kind of stuff. Like when you're trying to find something, the possibilities there are pretty amazing. You know, even navigation, if you started to think about using this off outside of a job site, like if you were on a bike on a, in a car, whatever the case might be like being able to navigate. Yeah. And that would, I would think that having that type of technology would be safer than having a GPS or a screen off to the side because now it's an overlay. And so you're, you're less distracted. I guess the science will have to prove that out, but in theory, your, your, your eyes are still focused on the road and your surroundings. You just have some visual aids. You know, it's like reading a street sign when you're driving down the street, like you're going to see these things when you're going by. Now there's other overlays that say, you know, go left here because traffic's better or whatever. I would say, depending upon how noisy the thing was with information, right? Like a HUD is going to be much, much better than having to look off to the side or down or whatever the case might be right? when you're driving. But as long as it's not noisy and printing out a ton of flashing stuff and, you know, notifying you of all kinds of different things, I think it'd be very valuable. But I could see how that would be abused rapidly. You have to be very careful. But it's some it's similar to what they do with in-car displays. They try to minimize what you can see and do on there. So it's not quite the experience you would get on your phone if you were just poking around on apps. Yep. Um, it's a little bit of a tangent, but it made me think of this. We're talking about virtual reality and, and, and augmented reality, different objects that you're looking at restaurants and, and how you can really move things around to get an idea of what it will look like. There was a news article recently saw that talked about how people doctor their images for homes. So I think one of the bigger issues right now with, with home buying is that a larger percentage, something around 20% of um, home buyers will buy sight unseen. Now these guys are probably more investors, right? That type of audience. But, but regardless, 20% or more of homes are bought sight unseen. And there were some image, uh, doctored images that were shown like the before and after. And it wasn't even just filters that make shit look brighter or maybe even enhance the background. Like, no, this was moving furniture. Like if it was an empty apartment, staging it virtually, putting all kinds of cool furniture in there, changing light fixtures. Um, in one example I saw, there was a kind of a viewpoint from, from the entryway and there was a, a load bearing wall that kind of made for a low entry to go into the other room. Well, they just remove that entirely. So now you don't have the load bearing wall. You just have the open floor plan, kitchen and living area. I mean, taking it really to deceitful levels, like it's not just making the paint look brighter. That's really egregious because I definitely, <laughs> before we bought the house that we're in currently, we were looking at some houses and yeah, you'd look at them on Redfin or Zillow or whichever website you're looking at and you'd go to the house and you'd, you know, you'd get to the, you'd get there and there'd be smudges on the wall and like marks where like furniture had clearly been drug across it and stuff like that. But then you go back to the website and you look at it and like the paint's like beautiful. It's clean. It's right. bright. Right. Same thing on the outside. Like the, the color is really vibrant. The grass is super green and you look at it and you're like, Oh no, that's all fucking dead. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's always going to be someone out there who's going to try to profit off of that sort of technology. So you just got to still do your due diligence. But yeah, like that's, I thought that was unbelievable. I had not seen so much uh, such a contrast between like reality and and like what was published out there it's crazy eventually you'll be able to have hollow lens while you're looking at your houses and they'll be able to tell you what you know if, if we want to replace a load-bearing wall ourselves boom this is how you do it step by step with the hollow lens well that'd be great like that would be really cool because we didn't know what the hell we were doing all you do we... is take some what five buys and liquid nails and away you go yeah i didn't actually pay for the professional engineering uh, you know, overview. It was just the landlord that was a framer. And I said, you know, what, what do I do here? And he goes, yeah, you just get a bunch of these big ones and nail them together. 
You'll be still fine. standing. Don't worry about it. It's been there for for 12 years, 15 years. Cool, man. Well, that's um, kind of our intro into the mixed reality space. We'll have to co- cover some more. Um, I'm really interested in the Azure features, too. I think that'll be pretty cool because they keep coming out with updates on that side. So we'll have to follow that and bring updates to the show. I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully, Hargis, maybe Hargis can uh, talk uh, Mr. Anderson into getting some uh, HoloLens here in the office. Get a HoloLens in here? I mean, Hargis is our resident uh, VR guy, so right. yeah, I'm sure he'd, he'd order some new toys. We could get some HoloLens and some virtual flamethrowers from the Boring Company. <laughs> Have a little fun. Let's move on. Moving along. I have great news on the show today, as always. Oh, God. What's every this week, about? we have some Tesla news. No, dude, kill it. Oh. <laughs> oh, geez. What's going on now? Elon get arrested yet? <laughs> Maybe by the SEC. That's t- I don't have that news. But uh, other news, uh, Tesla finally offered their Model 3 for 35 k which is something they've promised ever since they announced the vehicle. That was actually what I was going to go for originally was the 35 k model, the entry model. Um, but they finally have done it. They finally have launched it. It's for sale and available. Um, it is somewhat restricted. Um, it looks the same, functions the same. It has limited miles. Obviously, you're not going to get the fancy rims and those types of things. And they've taken a few things out of like the center console that are kind of nice. But they beyond get rid that, of all the cool paint options you can get too. That was something they had, right? You could get different paint options. Uh, the paint options all cost more. So I think it was $1,000 more per paint color uh, unless you wanted like white or black oh that's right originally they had all the colors and then they when they started ramping up production they cut that back you could still get them but you'd have to pay more yep yeah Mm -hmm. that's right okay so the cool thing is 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 it is available for 35k you can get it it's an fully electric vehicle it's got i think a 250 mile 280 mile range somewhere in there um single single drivetrain so the the more expensive ones are all-wheel drive um but Which kind of begs the question. I, that's still not a car I'd probably want to spend money on. It's tough. Like, I mean, the Tesla supercharger network is pretty pretty robust. But I mean, if you can only go 250 miles, that's uh, that's not really that far. They had to make some compromises. I think they did some things that were nice. Then they have they had something. Uh, some things came out better than expected. They did get a little bit of a an, a boost in mileage for all vehicles via okay. software in some way. I'm not sure how they accomplished that, but right. they did get a boost in mileage. Um, the 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 thing is though is like the the Model Three for the 35k entry price. There's not a ton of compromise there. I mean, it is the lower mileage. It is the only one uh, axle drivetrain. Those are the big compromises. The rest of them are pretty minor finish fit yeah. and finish items. So you're getting still. The car, you're able to purchase enhanced autopilot. You're still in it. You're still able to do all the different things that it's able to do, but it's a in a cheaper package. I think that will appeal to a lot of people. I don't know that it would appeal to me. I think I'm still one of those guys who couldn't just get the regular MacBook. It's like, well, <laughs> but 32 gigs of RAM, it's like double. You know, like that would be good. I don't. I can't upgrade it. Like it's once I buy it, I'm stuck with it. You're like forever. Our, you're like our VP. You got to check all the boxes when you order. Well, sometimes you got to check all the boxes. <laughs> if you're making a big purchase like that, now I understand because you can pay double that price for, I don't know, fancier rims, some other fee. I mean, yeah, they have other things you can get. Is it worth Is it worth another twenty or $30,000? I don't know. But if I'm going to have this thing, how long am I going to have it? 12 years, 15 years? Maybe, yeah. I don't know what the batteries are rated for. I want to say they're rated eight or nine years, maybe something like that. It's a hard sell for me. If I'm going to make that kind of investment in something for a long time, I might just want to have all the bells and whistles. I mean, it's just, to your point, when, when I buy MacBooks, that's what I do. I, I buy the highest dollar, most every option I can get because you know what? I buy one once every seven years, eight years, whatever the case might be. Like I'm, I'm going to make sure that thing lasts as long as I can possibly make it last. Which I would say in that case is worth it because you're not buying regular laptops every seven years. If you just buy a standard laptop off the shelf, you're going to get two or three years out of it. And then it's time for a new one and you junk it or it's too slow that you don't want to work with it anymore. But you can also upgrade them too. If you get like a standard windows laptop, for instance, whereas like 
you know, a MacBook, you can't just bust it open and start throwing new parts in there. That, no. Like, most of them are soldered. No, they're glued on. I mean, they look beautiful. The construction is god-awful, right? They're glued on, and they have no no serviceable parts. Right. So you you give them another $300 for Apple Care so that when it's time for a new one, you can just run it over in the driveway and turn it in. That's right. So in your Tesla. <laughs> yeah, where you didn't have to pay for any gas. Uh, so another big news announcement around this, um, at the same time that they announced that, they also basically said that they're going to close all their outlets. So basically you might have seen around different showroom stores, uh, that Tesla has where you can look at the vehicles, get in the vehicles, maybe test drive and so forth, but they're going to close them all. They're only going to do online sales as a car company, which is pretty crazy when you start to think about it. I heard that they were going to have galleries. I think they're going to hand hold on to a few in like some really high traffic areas as yeah. I understand it. But you're not going to go in to buy a car. Like that's, that's going to go away. For that's sure. right. It's the same thing that they already do. Like you can't, you can't walk into the, the Tesla stores as they exist today and say, Hey, I want to buy this car. Okay. You don't do that. You go online ah. to something that they call a configurator. And this is where you purchase all your options. Like they don't, they don't have cars just sitting on a lot that you say like, I want that one. Yeah. You don't go out to the lot and walk around with the guy and haggle on shit and decide that you want the red one or the blue one. Yep, they're all basically a custom order, pretty much everyone. You go to the configurator, and you can do the damn thing in 60 seconds pretty much, right? I mean, it's pretty fast. I mean, there's not a ton of options for them. I mean, it's basically you want, you know, the sport package, the extended uh, range package, or the standard package. Right. That's one option. Wheels, color, whether or not you want uh, enhanced autopilot. Those are like Those are basically your options. Yeah, I went on and did that when you were in pre-order. Yeah. And, oh, I could have hit bought now, buy now. It was really close. It was just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> it was right there. Yeah, all the boxes checked. All the boxes were checked. It was within reach. My problem was it didn't have Amazon Prime two-day shipping, so I didn't want to get it, man. You need to talk to Elon about that. I know. If it had two-day shipping, I might have been. If you could get Amazon, yeah. Ooh. I didn't know at that time when they were going to be released, right? They were still wrapping up production someday, getting closer, but it wasn't there yet. Wouldn't that be funny? You go into Amazon, you type in Tesla, and they're like, oh, Prime next day. Next day air. <laughs> Ship that son of a bitch across country for free. I'm sure that would do wonderful things to their uh, bottom line there. Yeah. Yeah, so they're going to close all their showrooms. Um, so, I mean, personally, I love the Tesla. I love my car. It's a great car, but I bought it basically sight unseen, and I bought it without driving one, right? Right. For most people, I would assume that's going to be a problem. Like that's a very typical procedure. Most people are going to go to the dealer. They're going to try out many, many different cars, test drive many different cars, come to a final conclusion about which one they like, start haggling on the price, yada, yada, yada. Well, none of that exists with Tesla. You're basically going to, unless you have a friend or somebody who has one already that you can go give a ride in. Yeah. You're basically going to buy it sight unseen. So what Tesla does to negate this a little bit, but it isn't, I don't believe that this is a good way to negate it. But what they do is they, they say, if you purchase the Tesla from us, we will guarantee your money back for X number of days. I don't have that number in front of me. But for no, a certain number of days, you can effectively drive this thing for no cost. Fun. It's kind of so like the Casper mattress. but Return bit, it. Yeah, kind of. A little bit more exciting. The same type of idea. Um, the problem is, though, like most people don't have 50 grand laying around. Right. So like chances are you took out a loan or something against this car. So great. I can return it, but Mm -hmm. now I got to eat the interest or pay back the loan. Like it's not as simple as it may sound. Right. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't know how this would work. I mean, I, I I totally get that there's a lot of overhead there with showrooms and all that kind of stuff and they have to pay, you know, real estate and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't know. I, I, the jury's out to me as far as that, if this is a, effective way to sell cars i mean you're going to get the the tesla enthusiasts like myself who are going to bite real hard on it and have no problem but the 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 person that you're going after with the thirty five thousand dollar base model probably not that i don't know if i entirely agree i think that could appeal to the millennials even though they're getting away from cars just because they want to have a simpler experience i think that if you really wanted to know what it was like, you could go on Turo or some of those other sites where you could rent one 
That's a fair point. I hadn't considered that. You, or maybe you'd get one in an Uber. I've heard of some people doing Uber with them. I've never had an Uber Tesla. That would be fucking cool. But it hasn't happened to me yet. And I've been on Uber for six years, damn it. But maybe I'm just picking the wrong one. Maybe they're not showing up in Uber pool. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, you probably have to do Uber Black or whatever the, the high-end one is these days. Yeah. Well, that's a bummer, too, because, like, side note, but I really loved the Uber Black experience back then. You were a baller back in the day. Oh, dude. Like, that's what that's how I commuted from First Hill down to uh, the waterfront. Yeah. Uber Black. Door service, everything. Yeah, door service, Lincoln Town car. Coming out in your big oh jacket that you had there, right? Yeah, I wore the old trench coat. Yeah. Looking like time. a big baller coming out of the, everybody. Like boss. Wasn't it Chad? Coworker Chad here, like when you very first started, I think I heard this story, like when you very first started, he thought you were like something special because, yeah, you'd come down in your town car and get the door open for you and come rolling into work. I don't <laughs> think I fooled any of my coworkers in the least bit of what the fuck I was up to, but the doorman, Bill, really wonderful man, he, uh, he would always like jump up to get the door when he saw the, the town car roll into a stop. Were you, were you a big tipper? Tipping the doorman? Uh, I didn't. In fact, I just told him, I said, Bill, I'm just a programmer on the third floor, man. You can just like <laughs> keep talking to guests inside. You don't have to come out for me. I didn't do it all the time. I got in trouble, you know, racking up the expense. It's not a cheap ride. Uh, it was even then. Um, but it was wonderful. I mean, those, those cars are, there's a reason why they're off the road now because they're just, it's a leather sofa on wheels. man. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. You can just kind of sink in the back. Tinted windows. Nobody knows what the fuck's going on. They can't see you. And the drivers knew what they were doing. They didn't need a GPS. They didn't have ways on there trying to figure out which way to turn. You'd tell them where you were going, and they would know exactly where to go. There's definitely something to be said for that. I can tell you that. Like, I don't know how many people we have to direct. Here's how to get to where we're going. Whereas, like, yeah, you're getting you're getting a certain level of service there instead of somebody just reading a map. Yeah, this is me being an old man talking about the good old days of Uber and ride sharing. You know, six years ago when. You didn't have to have some moron, like didn't know how to read a phone. They just knew where to go. They knew the city. They were the real experts. Subject for another another subject we need to talk about soon is that uh, Lyft is going public, but that's for a later show. I did see that. We need to talk about that. Dara from Uber gave them a big high five, big kudos online. Yeah. It's a good thing for for those guys. Let's get that in the, the show for next week. Pop that into the show notes for 27. Moving back to uh, Tesla news. We got more Tesla news. Tesla is on fire. I think we just lost 30 subscribers. Just Son of a, no, but we gained, you know, five five Tesla yeah. fans. Uh, they're removing enhanced autopilot. So that's what I purchased. Um, enhanced autopilot is basically the features that allow the car to ma- maintain its lane, maintain distance from the front of the person in front of you. Uh, it allows the use of summon, which is the thing that'll like let it back out out of the garage on its own. Um, so they're basically taking all of those pa- those features. They used to have that, and they used to have full self driving, which is something you could purchase but had no function yet. Right. Like it was the idea that oh, once we can make this thing drive itself everywhere, that that'll unlock or something. Well, now they've rolled them both into the same package, so it's one package. Just autopilot. It's not enhanced anymore. Uh, it's, I think yeah, I think it's called autopilot. Yep. Um, and there's multiple different price tiers for it now. So, um, I think it goes up to seven grand now if you elect to add it on after delivery of the car, but I think you get a discount of, I think it's five grand if you do it as you're ordering. Once you're going through the configurator, if you buy it then, then it's five grand. Mm, Okay. But that'll give you any, any future updates that they make to their hardware, software, et cetera. Um, which include a couple of new features, which are really cool. So the first one. Um, is that they're going to enhance the the auto park and the summon features. So what that means is before summon, all summon would do is it would pull itself out. So like if you were in a parking stall in a garage somewhere, it would just back itself up so far and then stop and wait. Yes. Now you could be at the elevators in a parking lot or something like that and say summon and it'll drive itself to you. So it'll pull out and drive itself up to wherever it is you're standing. Yeah, that's some real Knight Rider shit right there, man. That's Kit coming around the corner to get your ass out of a jam. Yeah. And then the same thing for Auto Park. Auto Park used to be parallel parking. A lot of cars have this now, right, where you can pull up to the side, click a button, and it'll figure out how to parallel park itself. Hmm. Um, So they're going to do the same thing now where you can do, um, what would you call that, angle parking. So it'll handle that as well, both parallel and angle. It's getting fancy. So... 
Um, it's like a real getaway mode. You can just go rob a bank and have the Tesla around the corner ready yeah. to go. Throw the, throw the bag of money in there and just be like, Tesla, go over there. Have it open the trunk first and yeah. take off. <laughs> so, all kinds of ideas. Final Tesla notes. Later this year, they announced that, that they would have new software that would allow it to respond to traffic lights in the city and stop signs. So it would basically be able to stop itself at lights. So this is one thing that's actually... You currently, they don't recommend that you use autopilot in town for this exact reason, because it can't detect, it can detect if somebody's in front of you yeah. and it would stop. So if somebody's at the stoplight already and you come up to that car, it'll stop. But if you're the only one at the intersection and the, the light's red, it'll just blow through. It doesn't have any comprehension. I kind of like that. <laughs> if it's fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be all right. So now it can detect the stop signs and the traffic lights and adjust accordingly. At least mm. that's what they say. So that, that's coming later this year. And then, of course, what we just discussed is driving automatically on city streets. So really cool stuff coming out of Tesla. Hope they continue to push this stuff along and, and are able to release on time. So, Well, I'm, I hope for your sake, too, because I know how excited you are about these Tesla news releases over here. So They got to keep it up, man. Otherwise, how are we going to keep the show going? I don't know, man. We haven't even gotten any sponsorships or free banners or even a fucking sticker from them yet. So I don't know <laughs> what we're doing this for anyway. Elon. All right, there's got to be something in here that doesn't involve Tesla. Oh, yeah, this is cool, man. This is that joint venture between Facebook and uh, the Goog, the Google. Yeah, so... No, Microsoft, not the Google. Microsoft and Facebook. Yes. Yep. So you've heard about undersea cables. Like, these are the cables that are able to connect basically our worlds, right? Right, yeah, and and... I thought there was only a handful of them, but there's these fuckers are everywhere. I mean, every, all these guys are building newer, bigger, faster undersea cables connecting all the whole world all over the place. And they're huge. Like, and then so I think this one, I don't, I guess I don't have the map in front of me, but don't usually, I think they run to like kind of the corner of Africa or something, don't they? I think. Well, they're fucking everywhere. I mean, they'll go from your east, your, you know, the east coast over to Europe. Oh, and, here we go. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. Runs to Spain. Spain to Virginia Beach in this case. Holy shit. Bill Bilbao, Spain to Virginia Beach, Virginia. Yeah. And I think suck. from what I understand, many of them terminate in Virginia for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, because they talk about in this article that we're going to talk about here that many of the big players, Microsoft, Facebook, Google, have some sort of presence in Virginia at this area where all these cables come in because they want to be as close to the termination point as possible, right? Yeah, faster speeds, lower latency. Yeah, of course. So the story here is that Microsoft and Facebook partnered together and they created a new undersea cable or laid an undersea cable. And this thing's crazy. This thing set a record for data transfer. A couple of, what is this, like 5G speeds or what? <laughs> yeah, it's your new 5G. It's 6G actually. Oh, Trump wanted that last week, man. That was pretty quick little turnaround time. Well, you know, whatever Trump wants, he gets. Uh, that's a whole other show. <laughs> what are we doing here? We're talking about nine. Tell me, tell me the stats on this thing. It's just fucking, you can't even comprehend how fast this cable is. So this cable has a theoretical capacity of 160 terabytes per second. Terabits. Bits. Bytes, bits. Terabits. I mean, that's fucking great. It's a small B, right? TB? It is a small B. T little B? Yes. Terabits per second? Yes. Yeah, that's insane. That's yes. still crazy. That's terabits. I don't know how many you could stream like the Library of Congress in <laughs> two microseconds or something like that. Yeah. So they basically currently haven't, they haven't turned it all the way up, right? As, as I understand it. So they've only tested it up to... 9.5 terabits per second. Crazy. <laughs> but it has a theoretical limit of 160. So they're not even pushing it anywhere near what it's supposedly capable capable of. Um, but yeah, when I read this and I saw these numbers, I was just like, that's insane. It's a 4,000 mile cable. Right. Like the sheer, the sheer length of this cable is mind blowing anyway. I mean, if you look at the photos, they show what I'm assuming is just some kind of specialty ship that houses all this fucking cabling so that they can kind of unspool it as they move along. 
And this is not really even a cable. I mean, if you really break it down, this is this is a monster pipe. Lots of protection, lots of layers. It's really impressive. And it's a 20, what do they say? 20% increase, 20 cent, uh, excuse me, 20% improvement for each pair. So it's many, many fiber optic cables. Right. That are inside the sheath that you were kind of explaining. Yeah, the the technology that it uses is um, something that the phone companies used to do. I mean, this is on a much larger scale, of course, but they're they're using um, QAM, which not I, I will just get like dip the toe in the technical for a minute, but that's the quad amplitude modulation. And so what they're doing is like for each line, they're able to rotate the sine wave um, varying degrees to use the same line for multiple transmissions. So. I don't know. I'm guessing here it says 16 QAM. I'm going to take a stab and say that it's going to have 16 different um, pipes per per cable. So, I mean, really just by shifting the wave, you're able to get a lot more. Because, you know, back in the day, it was like a serial connection. It's it's just one signal goes across on the wire. Well, they've found a way to, to pack in multiple signals, and that's how you get that that density and that high speed on a such a small small factor. So to kind of give any kind of context, like these days you might talk generally in megabits per second. Sure. Most often there might maybe be gigabit. maybe we're just getting to that point, right? So nine terabits per second is nine million megabits per second. Yeah. Is that right? Ninety or nine? It, they're each yeah, you if your home network would be one gigabit. Nine million. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Nine million megabits. It's huge. You know how many movies you could download in like a so se- in a second? I do actually. So for reference, 160 terabits per second is 20,000 hours of Netflix HD video. <laughs> in a second. In a second. That's insane. In one second, 20,000 hours of Netflix video, man. That's some fucking Matrix shit right there. Wow. Yeah. There are... Um, I was I was curious about the number because I said I know they've been building lots and lots of cables. There are over 400 undersea cables right now. No kidding. And all running world. kind of Well, you said they're all over the world. Obviously, they've got to connect other areas of the world besides the United States and in right. Europe, but Right. But they're they're all over the place. I mean, it's not of that size and that magnitude, of course, yeah. but crazy shit, man. So kind of in the same vein like, you know, I don't know if it's again not for this show probably, but another good show topic would be kind of like the security of these cables and, and, you know, possible warfare against these cables and that sort of thing. Cause that's a, a, a pretty big topic anymore. Yeah. Or just what happens if like a whale just like gets in a fight with another <laughs> whale and takes a chunk out of the cable. That'd be another problem for sure. All right. Well you can, uh, the coffee code cast is recorded live from Seattle, Washington every Wednesday at 6 PM Pacific standard time. Join us live and chat with us while we're recording music on our Slack channel. For more information, visit www.coffeecodecast.com slash live. Our artwork is provided by Yerne, the gentle giant, and you can see more of his wonderful and whimsical illustrations at www.coffeecodecast.com slash gentle giant. If you have an idea for the show or you want to comment on something we've talked about, you can reach us on Twitter at coffeecodecast, and we are available via email at coffeecodecast.com. The podcast is available from iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all that and more episodes on our website, www.coffeecodecast. And as always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.